Hello and welcome to In Line With Nature, the podcast that explains an approach to building that puts the future of our planet first, with me, Hannah McInnes. In this series, I talk to experts about modern day construction, its impact on the natural world and why the time for change is now. I'll be talking to a series of guests about new approaches to design, reimagining a built environment at one rather than at odds with nature. Hello, my name is Karen Scrivener. Um, I'm originally from the UK, but now I'm a professor here at EPFL in Switzerland. So EPFL is one of the federal universities in Switzerland. And um, I work on cement and concrete. I'm head of the Laboratory of Construction Materials. And uh, we're looking at ways of making cement and concrete more sustainable. So you say making cement and concrete more sustainable. The connection between construction and climate change is being made more and more, I think, isn't it? And concrete is getting quite a bad rap. Is that justified? Well, no, it's certainly not justified because we have to bear in mind that we use more concrete than way more concrete than all other materials put together. So intrinsically, it's actually a material with very low environmental impact. It's got one of the lowest embodied CO2s and energies of any material, but it's just simply these absolutely enormous volumes we use that means that it all adds up and accounts for something like 7 or 8% of world CO2. Um, so the first thing we have to appreciate is that we can't replace it with anything else. You know, if we look at something like wood, wood is only about 5% of the amount of concrete and our use of timber is already beyond what's really sustainable. We're cutting down more forests than we're planting. So it's been estimated, for example, that even if we wanted to replace just one quarter of concrete with wood, we would have to plant new forests one and a half times the size of India. And, you know, I mean, it's just fairly obvious that that's simply not possible. And, and even if we did that, it would still take 30 years to start producing trees. So, you know, we have to be real. Um, there are still an awful lot of people in the world who don't have decent housing. And um, really, we have to provide that housing. And if we're going to do it, the most sustainable way to do it is in concrete. Um, but of course, that doesn't mean to say there's nothing we can do to improve concrete. That's exactly the point, isn't it? That I think you will go on to make when I say that you're, yes, you're evidently not suggesting the solution is abandoning the use of concrete. We can't live in a world without concrete. I mean, we're in too far. Is that the point? So we now well, need... I mean, you know, you, you say we're in too far, but there is simply no alternative. You know, what do we say to these millions and millions of people living in slums around the world? Do we say, you know, we're not going to give you any houses or do we do it in the most sustainable way possible, which is to use concrete, because concrete is more sustainable than any other materials. It has something like one-tenth of the embodied CO2 of fire-clayed bricks. 
So, you know, if we use bricks, fire clay bricks instead of concrete, we would produce 10 times as much CO2. Mm. Can I I ask before we move on to talk specifically about what you're working on, which is mm. so interesting, just could you explain, and I'm sorry if this becomes um, across as a foolish question, but is the environmental damage just in the procuring and the processing or are the buildings across the world that are already built um, from concrete, is there a form of environmental damage that they're doing in any way? Well, I mean, that's kind of, um, okay, so I mean, once a building's built, of course, there is emissions, but these are coming from the energy use inside the building, like for heating or cooling or cooking. So that's really nothing to do with the materials the building is built of, except, you know, you want to use materials which are efficient in terms of thermal insulation and incidentally concrete is quite an efficient material there um so the 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 emissions are coming when you produce basically the cement because 90 percent of the emissions of concrete come from the cement and of those emissions from the cement about 60 percent of those are actually coming from um the fact that the main raw material is limestone. Limestone is calcium carbonate. And when you make cement and you heat up the limestone, it decomposes into calcium oxide and CO2. So that's where most of the CO2 is coming from. Um, And and that's happening when you produce it. Now, the, the concrete actually will slowly reabsorb that CO2. But that doesn't kind of help you that much because it may take a hundred years to reabsorb it and you've emitted all the emitted all the co2 at the beginning so could you tell us about what you're working on what is the solution well there's many things we have to bear in mind first of all we have to realize that more than 90 percent of cement use is in emerging or developing countries. So it's no use having some ultra sophisticated solution (coughs) that can't be used in those countries which are using the most uh, cement. Um, Second thing is, you know, we are confined by the materials we have available on earth. And um, it's always remarkable to realize that just eight elements, which are oxygen, silicon, aluminium, iron, calcium, sodium, potassium, magnesium, those eight elements make up more than 98% of the Earth's crust. So that really confines the chemistry uh, we can work with. Now, I I said that, you know, most of the emissions come from the, the cement part. And what we're doing is substituting as much as possible of the conventional cement with other materials with much lower CO2 emissions. And this technology has been developing for some decades, but the most used substitute materials today are fly ash, which is coming from burning coal. And of course, we have to stop burning coal because that's producing more CO2 than anything else. And slag, which is coming from producing iron, which is also a very CO2 intensive process. And even today, the amounts of these substitute materials we have are really quite low compared to the amount of cement. So what we've done was really to analyze what else is available. And the only thing that's really available in the kind of quantities we need are clays. Now, clays 
can be what's called calcined. Calcined means heated up, but we don't heat them anywhere near as high as we do to make cement. So there's relatively little energy coming from that. Um, and the kind of clays you, you, you want are really extremely widely available in the, everywhere in the world, and especially in those countries where the demand for cement is highest. So um, we, we, we put together this, this calcine clay with limestone, and then we can substitute 50% or more of the conventional cement. And that means we can lower CO2 emissions by um, up to 40%. Gosh, so that really is a big. Uh, that's that's a high percentage. Yeah. Um. So, so and and you have been doing this in other countries, and you've been you have examples of various buildings and examples of using this around the world. So, what are the obstacles then to it being rolled out at scale? Well, yes, this is what everybody asks, and unfortunately, you know, the main thing is just the inertia in the industry. You know, it's a. Uh, it's an industry where you're reliant on very high volumes and low profit margins. And this means that people are very reluctant to, to make changes. They just want to keep doing everything exactly the same as they've been doing. So it does take a lot of energy to persuade people to change, even though in the long run, they can actually save money because making this LC3 is actually cheaper than the than the alternatives. So it's been a sort of uphill struggle, but now we're really getting a lot of um, you know a lot of interest. We've importantly managed to change standards both in India and in Europe, and that's really um, opening things up. So um, we already have people producing in Colombia, in Ivory Coast. Um, several other countries in Africa have plans to implement this in the next one to two years. Um, also quite a lot of producers in India and also here in Europe, um, there are quite a lot of people who have done trials this year and probably will start producing next year. So the inertia that you talk about, is that coming from a government level or is the responsibility for this and for the change and for embracing these new products, is that um, for the construction industry and for architects? No, I think it really starts with the cement producers. You know, the cement producers are the people who are reluctant to change. And, you know, there's been really very little, and there still is in most countries outside Europe, there still is very little pressure on people to change. Um, as I've said, because we can persuade people that they can save money by doing this, people are starting to to change. And then we've got to... Um, you know, they've got to get this taken up by builders and by architects. But generally, builders and architects are extremely interested in uh, low carbon solutions. So I think once people start to produce, you know, it will be taken up quite quickly. And of course, the big advantage is that you know, to use it, it behaves in virtually the, exactly the same way as existing materials. So there's very little adaptation needed to this new material. Yeah, that's really interesting and sounds like its biggest benefit is that you don't need to change the ways you make it. You don't need to you change the processes. You don't need to change anything at all. More or less, yes. I mean, there are, there are always slight things you need to change, but these really are very minimal. 
Okay, so in terms of the the processing, what you're saying is is that you replace cement with different materials, but it's going to be just as good as the product that people that people ex- have come to expect from exactly. cement and concrete. Is is yeah. that right? There's no uh, downside to the the construction properties in this new material. Yeah, I mean, you know, some properties are actually very much improved. Like, you know, one of the biggest problems of durability of concrete is the penetration of chloride, which comes either from seawater or from de-icing salts people put on the roads. And when this gets into the concrete, it causes corrosion of the reinforcing steel. And on that front, LC3 is a lot better. Um, probably the one downside is that the the flowability, like the um, the way you put it in the forms, can be slightly more difficult, but you can uh, really easily control this with what we call admixtures, which are available today on the open market. So, you know, this is only a question of really very, very minor adjustments. And I noted uh, in your TED talk, you said that there are some major cement companies really engaging in this conversation, looking to to replace this in some of their plants soon. And that was in 2020. So um, is this happening now? Yes, yes. I mean, as I say, we have two plants already in production. And, you know, there's always quite a lag because somebody decides to go into this, they have to purchase what's called a calciner. And generally, it takes like, at least one to two years to set this up. Mm. So we now know that, well, there's probably sort of of the order of 20 to 30 plants going for this, but it will be another one or two years before they actually come on stream. That's really interesting. And can, can just lastly, two, two questions to end. Is there anything that consumers, tenants, house owners, homeowners can do, do you think, to kind of, um, speed the process along to um, to kind of get rid of this inertia that's stopping things happening that would ultimately benefit us all from from improving um, CO two emissions. Well, I think you know the more people ask for these materials, the better. I think also for the general consumer, uh, they really should be aware that there's a lot of false claims out there. You know, almost every month. I see some article claiming this miracle solution. And I think consumers should be aware that, you know, if somebody's claiming some, something that seems miraculous, well, they should be suspicious. Um, you know, sometimes people think that our solution is unexciting, but the reason it has the potential to go so far is precisely because it relies on tried and tested technologies and can be used by everybody in exactly the same way. Absolutely fascinating. I'm going to ask you just lastly whether you feel, and as I've said to other guests, I feel the answer is something I can predict given what you wake up and do every single day. Do you feel optimistic and positive looking forward where where this is concerned? Um, you know, I think it's the problem is so challenging that sometimes one does feel very daunted by it. I think we can make a huge impact uh, with this LC3, but we also have to make a lot of impact in a lot of other fields. Um, So I think we can do it, but 
we must not let our guard down and we must keep pushing uh, you know governments and policymakers to really realize the urgency of the situation and that is um presumably something that listeners can actually do that that yeah. that is it it all comes down to um, understanding it and doing what they can to press the the urgency and to get the conversation out there exactly which i hope we've been doing <laughs> Right now. Karen, thank you very much indeed. It's really fascinating hearing about that. And um, I'm really interested to see how it all progresses. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. Uh, It's been a pleasure talking to you. You've been listening to In Line With Nature, brought to you by the Closters Forum, hosted by me, Hannah McInnes, produced by Claire Heaton, and supported by the wonderful team at the Closters Forum. We'd love to hear your thoughts, suggestions, or any questions you might have about the episode. Just send your email to podcast at theclostersforum.com and make sure to tune in for our next instalment.